You can be uh, opening your Bibles to First Peter. Uh, we are in a, a series. If this is your first week here, uh, all the sermons are put on our website and uh, also on an app uh, that we have. And so you can go there and look at them. I think we have a YouTube channel as well. And uh, you might find them there. And uh, the, the, the theme of the whole thing is identity. In a world of imposters, who are we? And uh, today we come to second, uh, First Peter chapter 2. Uh, and we're going to begin in verse 4. We did verses 1 through 3 three weeks ago uh, before uh, the Easter season uh, came upon us. And today we're talking about being, having an identity in the temple. And uh, there's no easy way to say that. Uh, let me just go ahead and I'll, I'll give you one of uh, spoiler alerts right now. We are the temple. And so we have an identity as the temple of God, but I put in the temple, so uh, you might understand that. And so let me read the scripture uh, to you. Uh, you just sat down, but it's, it's a little bit lengthy. Would you stand back up just to help you concentrate? If you got a health need and you can't stand back up, I understand that. Don't, don't worry about it. But if you can stand, this is page 1204. If you're using one of the few Bibles there, 1204, uh, 1204, I should say. First uh, Peter chapter 2. Uh, to help you if, you if you need some help finding that there. And beginning in verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become a cornerstone, or the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you pray with me before you sit down? Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for your word. Lord, now speak through me. I can't do this without you speaking through me. Lord, may the Holy Spirit give us all the interpretation of your word so that you open our eyes of understanding to behold the wonderful things that you have placed there. So may the meditation of my heart and mind and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Oh God, my Lord, my Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You, you can be seated. We've, um, we've been in, an, uh, in, in Peter up to this point, and I wanted to go to First Peter. I'm preaching through this book because it talks to us about what, how we as Christians ought to be acting. But we're coming to a place where how we as Christians ought to be acting together. Okay, uh, before it's been kind of individualized, and we live in a Western culture, it's very individualistic. But God calls the church to be a whole, a body that we should work and move together. And so, a statement I want you to take home with you today, if you put that up there for me. It says, the church is not a building made with stone, it's a building made with living flesh. We, we, you heard that in the scripture. I want to explain a little bit of that to you. I, I, I have um, 
a little bit of an illustration about this. Um, back, back in the day when I was in seminary, that was, uh, or graduate school, whatever word you like to use. Um, I went there, I was 22, I graduated when I was 24, uh, turned 25 right after that. But, but in my, I think it was about my middle year, a bunch of us in the graduate school, we were a little bit older than the college students who were in the college that was also on that campus. And we would play basketball every day together. And I, I love playing basketball. I'm not very good at it. Um, I can hit hard and take a hit hard, but that doesn't have much to do with basketball. So anyway, if you think uh, basketball is not a contact sport, it is. Football is a collision sport, not a contact sport, right? So if you don't know that, that's, that's the way it works. So we would play together, and there was about five of us guys that were a little bit older that we played almost every day together. And and none of us were that great. I mean, there were some that, were, you know, frustrated college players stuff. They were pretty good, but 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 you know, most of us were regular. In fact. The shortest guy on our team, we put him at center, which is supposed to be the tallest guy on the team. And that was kind of a joke for us and kind of a funny thing. But that guy could, I mean, he dominated. It was great. And there'd be these younger guys, and we'd play them all the time, and we'd beat them all the time. They got so angry by the end of the year, so we're going to have a tournament. We're going to, it's going to be all for all the marbles. So we beat them. And, uh, but anyway, and if any of them are listening, if I remembered that wrong, tough. Uh, that's how I'm going to tell it. But, but the reality is the church is a team. And I've seen teams with a lot of good players on it. And if every player on the team is playing like an individual, the team will lose. When your best players play as a team, you'll win. Even if there are no individual standouts, a team always beats that individual effort. And God knows that. God designed it to be that way. There are no Lone Rangers superheroes. We love making movies about superheroes. But, but the reality is there is no superhero without a support structure, without other people around them. And in the church, that is absolutely correct. It would be to our advantage if we would remember that we are as a whole so that we can maximize our work for him glorify him better, resulting in a more intense and genuine worship and ministry. This is what God calls us to do. And so I want you to take this home with you today. And so the first thing I want to talk about is that we ought to be doing God's will. I got one faint amen out of that. We ought to be doing God's will. Amen. And there you go. Thank you very much. And uh, the first point that I want to talk about we have to understand who Jesus is in this because even though we are a team who is the head of this team it's Jesus right he is he is the he is the leader of this church he is the leader of all the church he is the head of the church we are his body he is the head he's the shepherd we're the sheep he's the husband we are the bride and those are images the Bible gives us to understand this and so we need to see who Jesus really is so that we give him his place of honor so we understand our position. First of all, here the Bible calls him a living stone. Did you see this in verse 4? As you come to him, as you come to Jesus, a living stone rejected by men but in the sight of God chosen and precious. Do you get that? Did, did you see there that men rejected Jesus but God said, this is my chosen and precious one. The religious leaders of Jesus' day, first of all, they're looking at him a little bit wondering. And then they turn to jealousy and anger. And 
They knew who he was. They knew what he said he was. He had proven it every way they needed proven. But out of their, uh, I would say, demonic-driven jealousy, they wanted to put him to death. And they rejected him as their Messiah. But God said he is chosen. And here in the ESV, it says precious. And that word precious, your version, if you have a different version, I'm using one called the ESV, the English Standard Version. That word is also used for the word chosen. Um, I mean, sorry, honor. Uh, He is chosen and honor or chosen and precious. But it says he is a living stone. Peter is using Psalm 118.22. This is where this is found. It's a stone that... The builders have rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. Is it not marvelous in our eyes? That's Psalm 118, 22 through 24. And then he, Peter's using some other uh, things that he knows from the Old Testament. Uh, uh, another one, or uh, I'm sorry, I should say. He said this also in Acts chapter 4. If you remember, John and Peter were, were arrested and were brought before the Jewish leaders because they were talking about Jesus in the temple. They had healed a guy. And in, in Acts 4 and 10 and 11, he, here's what Peter said. Let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him is the, this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Now, that's pretty bold when they got you arrested and they could torture you and maybe even kill you. And then one other place where we find this, Jesus himself said it about himself in Matthew 21, 42. He said, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel. Um, I'm sorry, that's, uh, I got the wrong verse copied there. Uh, but Jesus referred to him stone, himself out of Psalm 118 as the stone the builders rejected that became the cornerstone. And that is Matthew uh, chapter 21 and verse 42. Two things there. A living stone. Can stones live? And that's going to become important because when we look at us in the next verses, it says we are living stones. What does it take for something to be alive? Well, there's a lot of things you could name. But in the creation story, God made a clay figure of a man. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul right so who comes to the believer when they cry out to Christ for salvation according to Romans 8 and other places the Holy Spirit comes to live in us right Romans chapter 8 verse 11 says if you don't have the spirit of God you're none of his if you don't have the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead living in you you're not you're not a Christian you're not a believer you're not a follower of Christ because when you become a follower of Christ the Holy Spirit is the gift that comes to you and you become a living stone but he was rejected by men but he was honored by God he is he is precious to God and notice down in verse 6 it says whoever comes to him will not be put to shame that's just something that that you ought to remember in other words you will never be embarrassed Because you followed Christ. You might be in this world. But one day all creation stands before the creator. Right? And Jesus even told us. If you deny me before men. I'll deny you before my father. 
Now, who's going to be embarrassed in heaven? I don't care if I'm embarrassed here. I mean, as much as I embarrass myself, I better not care, right? I, I do that quite often. I'm quite comfortable being embarrassed. I do it quite often. But I don't want to be embarrassed there. I want Jesus to claim me as his own there. And so, in verse 6, as we've looked, we're going to jump over verse 5. I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. Whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. We, we have this assurance from Christ. And in verse 8, here's what it means to stumble. There's several things I need to define. But, but look in, in verse 7. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. There it is again. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. Let, let me explain about a cornerstone. It, there's this idea that became popular a few years ago that a cornerstone is not a stone on the corner, but it's on the top. Well, you can't stumble over something up there on the top. You can only stumble over something down low, right? So it, he's the cornerstone, the sense of being out of that stone, everything is fitted together. That is the, that's the anchor. That's the foundation. That's how the Bible means this word right here. And it, and it says there that he is a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. That word offense is the word scandalon in Greek. We get the word scandal. Now, if you're as old as me, and even if you're not as old as me, um, if you're not as old as me, you may not realize that some of the things that people are doing out, out there ought to be a scandal. But they're not anymore. Because it means to be offended by it. We're not offended by sin so much anymore. But there was a day where if you did half of what some people are doing, you would, well, last week we talked about being canceled. You'd be canceled not because somebody did it. People just would be offended by you and wouldn't want to, wouldn't want to be around you anymore. And so, and so people used to have to try to maintain a good reputation. And, and, and Jesus offends people because he claimed to be the Son of God, claimed to be the Messiah. And those who are offended by him are those who don't believe that. Are you seeing the logic here? Just, just help me out. He's only a stone of stumbling and offense to those who reject him. I will say more about that in just a little bit. He is a stone of stumbling because they disobeyed. It's right there in verse 8. By the way, that word honor up there in, in, in uh, verse uh, 7 and 6 and 7, it's the subject of that verse. It is honor for those who believe. That's the subject. It's the honor God gives us is to accept us because we believe. Now, I want you to understand something about that believing. They... It's, and we see it by seeing the opposite. They stumble because they do not believe, but that means to disobey. We use the word believe, and we think of it as just a mental understanding. The Bible uses the word believe, and it is accompanied by an action. The word faith, is we use that for believe as well, is a word that means I believe it, but I'm also going to do something about it. There are a lot of people who believe in Jesus. There are a lot of people who believe he's historically true. They're confused about his nature, but they believe he existed. But for us, we believe not only he existed, but that he is the Son of God. He did die for our sins. He was buried. He did rise again, and he is going to come back. That's part of what we all believe, uh, that, that that is who Christ is. 
But those who disobey stumble. Peter is alluding to a verse in Isaiah here. Isaiah 8.14. And it says this. And he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense. And a rock of stumbling. Catch this. To both houses of Israel. A trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Israel. Isaiah prophesied that Jewish people were going to reject him. In Isaiah. And Peter is alluding to that. Isaiah 8. And so they did reject him. But. He became our Savior because of that. So you need to understand, Jesus is the living stone. He is the one. But notice verse 8 with me, because 8 is accompanying what I've just been talking about, what I want to talk about. Look what it says. Uh, A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. And then look at the last phrase in there. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You see, we ought to become conformed into Christ's image. I I need to back you up to verse 5. We just jumped slam over verse 5 on purpose. You yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And we're going to take that and what we've already been saying. We're going to talk about the end verses here in just a second. We are a living stone. We have to have received the Holy Spirit to be a living stone. Remember what Jesus said two weeks ago was the triumphal entry? And the Jewish religious leader said, tell those children to quit yelling out that you're the, you know, Hosanna, he that comes in the name of the Lord. He said, if they get quiet, the stones will cry out. I don't know if I said it that Sunday, but I had it written down, but I think I didn't say it. Either your children are going to cry out at praises to God or your walls will. Because that's sheetrock, right? That's a rock. So the walls will cry out, Jesus is Lord, if you won't. Okay? And I love it when children are in here crying out to God. In other words, we're supposed to be built together. And the, and the emphasis of this verse 5 is we become the new temple. The people of God are the temple of God. Why was the temple a temple? It's where God lived. Now, back in the Old Testament, he lived in the Holy of Holies, right? That's where his glory would be seen in in the wilderness wandering, the Holy of Holies in the tabernacle. Then the tent, he would come down in that Holy of Holies where the Ark of the Covenant was, a cloud by day, fire by night. Moses would meet with him there. Now, we are that temple. He doesn't live in a building made with hands. He lives in a people made by God. The house is living because it's animated and filled by the Holy Spirit. It is the breath of God blowing in here. And not our air conditioning. Breath is the life of God. It's it's the Holy Spirit. The old temple is now superfluous. It doesn't even matter anymore. They're going to go to war to rebuild that temple. That's going to happen. Eventually, they, every year they act up over it and they're going to do it. And when they do, it's a war because what is on the temple site now is the golden mosque, the, the Dome of the Rock. It's sitting where the temple is going to be. And you're not going to do that without a war. So it's going to be a big old fight. Just go ahead and tell you now. It's in the Bible. You can look it up. But that's okay. They're fighting over land and bricks. We are the temple. Fooled you. (laughs) 
You can build all the temples you want. He doesn't live there anymore. He won't live there anymore. We are the temple. And notice what a spiritual house there in verse 5 is supposed to be and do. We're a holy priesthood. Holy just means set apart. Doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you are separated to serve God. And I want you to catch this. Who serves in the temple are priests, right? But he says all of us who are believers are a holy priesthood. That doesn't mean individual ones of us are priests. It means all of us together are priests to our God. We are supposed to act as one body, are we not? Is that not true? Yes, we act as one body. So what should we do? As one body, we offer a spiritual sacrifice. Hebrews says it's the fruit of our hands when we lift our hands in praise and give glory and praise to God. And when we take that verse and we understand this verse, we offer spiritual sacrifices. The spiritual sacrifice is praising God in the presence of unholy people so they can understand that there's a holy God and he indwells his people and we tell them, you can join with us. You can be made holy for God. You can be separated for God's use. You can become part of that body and we worship God to proclaim God. Now, that doesn't mean in these walls, we ought to be worshiping God at work. That doesn't mean you break out singing Amazing Grace every day, even though that'll draw a crowd, I guarantee it, or gets fired, one of the two. But we worship God openly so that people can see that we are worshiping God. Now, how do you want to worship him? The Bible says Jesus loved the church and he gave himself for it. He died for the church. Not just Calvary, the church. Everybody's in the family. And so the only task that the church, the new temple, the place where God lives, is to know him and to make him known. To know that you know Christ, that he is your Lord and Savior, and to speak out and proclaim his salvation to the nations. Anything that pollutes that body is sin. Anything that hinders that job is a roadblock set up by Satan because we are a holy priesthood separated for the worship of God alone and you worship anything else you've diluted the worship of God anything else you've diluted the priesthood and the proclamation of the gospel Say, I hope that was strong to you because it's strong to my heart. It scares me. It ought to scare you. Well, I told you I'm going to come back to verse 8 now. A stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, they stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. We are to obey the commandment, the word. The word, word there is the word, word, okay? And it means to believe and obey the gospel. Because the word is the gospel. The word is Jesus. The Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. 
Now that word is also, he is the one who brought us the good news. That's what gospel means. He brought us the good news that God loved us enough to put on flesh and come. But it's so much more than that. Jesus came to defeat the powers that were opposing him in the unseen world, in the spiritual world. And on the cross, he defeated Satan and all of his schemes. And Satan didn't understand that's what he was going to do, that he would rise from the dead. And now in power, he will never be brought low. All authority has been returned to him. He has all authority over everything. We like to quote Philippians that every tongue will confess, every knee will bow, every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord. And I've always thought about that being, yeah, the judgment, everybody's going to hit their knees. It doesn't say we got to wait for that. It says that at the name of Jesus, every knee has to bow, every tongue has to confess. And if you proclaim the name of Jesus and they don't, they've stumbled. They've been offended by Jesus. They don't want to believe in him. They don't want him to be exclusive. They want him to be inclusive. You know, coexist. Don't all religions take you to the same place? Nope. All but one take you to hell. And some who claim the name of Christ will take you to hell. Because they don't believe that Jesus is the only way. You become a stone in God's building when you're not offended and you believe and you begin to follow him. When you have it in your head but don't put it in your life, you stumble. And to stumble is not a casual thing. You stumble because of rebellion. You don't want to submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. You see, look at verse 9. Jesus is creating a new and unique people group. In, in, in missiology, in the study of how do we take the gospel to the nations, we identify people by people groups. And in, in this area, we have people groups. We have people that are, it might be ethic, uh, ethnical, I can't say it. Not ethnic, ethic, help me. Not ethical, ethnical, uh, by race. We have people groups by, uh, let's say, jobs. We have people groups that, by hobbies. A people group is somebody that has something in common. God wanted to make a new race of people that had something in common. And look what he says in verse 9. You are a chosen race. First time I had to go to a dermatologist, good thing I did, had a couple cancer spots cut off, that was fun. Not really, I'm just being silly. But the first thing they asked me was, so what brought you in? I, I said, I've got old Celtic skin, I need you to look at it. Because I descended from Celts, man, we redheads, you know, people ask me, oh, did you go to the beach? Nope, just went to get the mail without putting sunblock on, you know. Got burned a lot. Did a paper out in Charleston, South Carolina. Year-round, on a bicycle, hands exposed in the sun. That's going to cause some problems. Because that's my racial makeup. But I'm not part of that race anymore. And I'm now a new race. A chosen race. A chosen, can you imagine that? See, in the church, it's not black and white and brown and any other color you want to name. We are all... In the same race now, the children of God. Whew. Takes us a long time to catch on to that, don't it? 
We, we are a royal priesthood. Notice that word royal. Man, we, 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 we serve the king. We offer sacrifices of praise to the king. And people say, what are you praising? What are you talking about? Well, we got a king. Where is he? Well, you can't see him. He's in heaven. Well, y'all are crazy. Well, you can call us crazy. Call me a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt. I, I know who I'm talking about. It's God, and I'm a priest to God, and, and I just want to worship him and praise him, and you can do it too. We're a holy nation, a set-apart nation. He has called us to be his people. In the Old Testament and in the Bible, we see that the nations were divided. We go back to early Genesis. We see the nations were divided, and God assigned land masses to certain peoples and to certain rulers of those places. But now we're a holy nation, and he rules this nation. And this nation one day will conquer all the nations. Read Psalm 2. Why do the nations, why do the heathen rage, the king's imaginative thing? Why do the nations rage? Because they don't want to acknowledge Jesus as king. But one day they have to, right? One day, whether we win them all to Christ or he comes back and enforces it, they will all do that. We are in that holy nation. We are a people for his possession. We are owned by him. He owns us. And as we're talking about this, you may think, well, you know, I'm just a, you know, I'm just a whatever. I'm just a simple person. I'm just, you know, it's not complicated, but God called you this. And I would, I would invite you later on to read the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 2. Because in verse 20, he says that in any house, there are two kinds of vessels. There's vessels for honor and vessels for wasteful use. You know, it, it used to be a tradition. If, if you're a young person, you may, you may not know this unless you go to your grandparents' house. But you have the good china and the everyday china. Right? And so when you were getting married, that's when you got other people to buy you the good china because you couldn't afford that. And so other people would buy you these gifts for, and then you have it. We've had it. I think we've used it twice in 35 years. I got some of my mom's old one after she passed. Of her good china, which we never used as kids either. Why? Because it held a place of honor. And 2 Timothy 2 says, but in that same house are vessels that you throw the garbage in. But you can become a vessel of honor if you know Christ. I'm not saying you won't be useful. It might have been a bad analogy. But I thought most of you could identify with that idea. Trash can, something goes wrong, pour bleach in it, clean it out, can't get it good and clean, throw it away, get another one, right? Why? Because it's just to put garbage in. And some of you let the temple of God be a garbage receptacle because you keep putting garbage in. And in computer terms, you put garbage in, what do you get? Garbage out. What you put in is what you're going to get out. We are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people of his possession. Shouldn't we act like it? Shouldn't we dedicate ourselves to Jesus and Jesus alone, to the Father and the Father alone, to worship him? I would say yes. This isn't for bragging. This is for blessing God and others. He didn't give us this so we can walk around going, I'm, I'm part of God's kingdom. You can't mess with me. 
No, he called us to be ambassadors. He called us to be spokesmen. He called us to worship him and to proclaim the excellencies. Notice that. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness. You were in the darkness. Now you're not. He called you into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, now you are God's people. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. And we do ourselves a disservice when we forget that we were vessels of dishonor, but he's made a vessel of honor. Not for bragging, for, for, but for blessing people. For serving God and serving other people. He's done this to us that the church would act as a whole to proclaim the excellencies of him who loved us enough to die on a cross, be buried, and rise again. And one day he's going to come back to call his bride to himself. So I, I got a couple of questions to ask you as we leave. Are you stumbling or are you obeying? There's only two options. And where do you fit into this building? Because when you believe, you become a living stone. And he fits you in the building where you need to be. And one stone is not better than the other. It's just... He shaped you a certain way to fit into the building that's going to proclaim Christ. See, Pastor Andy fits in leading us in singing and leading us in playing instruments, neither of which I can do. So he's a little different stone than me. Right? Hallelujah for that. Man, thank God for that. Thank God for you. Because he made you to fit into the building. 